Fuel, the podcast for fixing underperformance and evolving leadership within the automotive industry. Fuel is bringing you the latest in proven strategies and techniques that can take your service department to the next level. All right, welcome back to the Fuel Podcast. You got Alex Keith here again, coming back to you from the uh, 2024 Coaching Summit for Dynatron. Uh, I've got a pretty good panel here in front of me, a lot of gentlemen with a lot of experience, going to get a couple key topics today. So what we're going to do first is just jump right into it, going to intro, and then we're going to just get right into the fun stuff. That's what I'm liking right here. So hey, Bart, why don't you go ahead and start things off? Yeah, so my name is Bart Barna. Uh, I'm the Executive Performance Manager for Dynatron. I've been with the company over four years, but I have a long history uh, for brick and mortar. I used to work, came up through the variable side of things and became a general manager of a couple dealerships in northern Ohio where I live. I've always been a, a student of the industry, and uh, one thing I love in my role at Dynatron is I, keep, I get to keep learning. I work with a lot of the executive managers um, at the dealership. That's really where my specialty is. All right. Hey, big part. I'm so glad to have you here, man. Hi, Jim Martin. Uh, my name is Jim Martin. I've been in the business uh, for about 27 years. Fixed ops 100%. I ain't afraid of a customer one. Really know people on the flip side. And I really am looking forward to, to hooking up right here right now, guys. What a great amount of group here at this table. Hey, my name's Adam Guys. I got into business in 1999, all fixed like Jim. Uh, just just was lucky enough to go up through the ranks, be at the right place in the right time, and I, I love being a sponge and a student of the business. So, And I tell you what, doesn't it sound like Jim has like the voice for radio? I mean, he really does. Like, hey, how you doing? Hey, my name is Jim. I'm ready to do this. So my name is Matt Wilbur. I've been in the automotive business for 27 years or thereabouts now, so most of it in the retail side. But I've been with Dynatron for going on four years now myself as a Start Smart coach. So had the pleasure, hopefully, working with a lot of those folks that are listening to our podcast today. A couple hundred dealers under our belt, about $27 million in revenue added for my dealers So uh, in the last few years. So it's uh, very, very, very cool. Very happy to be here. Sweet, sweet. Uh, I'm J.R. Arnold, um, Senior Training Specialist, uh, 44 years in the business, um, worked my way up through fixed ops, uh, was GM at a store, uh, and uh, just thrilled to be here and uh, join all these uh, highly skilled individuals today. I'm, uh, my name's Jimmy Lamont. I've been in the business since the mid-1980s. I've been fortunate that I've invested my time in different sides of the business. I've been in retail. I've been in third-party consulting. I've also worked for uh, OEMs. Now, of course, Dynatron is a senior training specialist, and every day I learn something from my counterparts. So it's great to sit here. It's going to be an opportunity for all of us to learn a little bit from each other. Cameron Stewart, back again. <laughs> a senior training specialist uh, with the, the whole team here today. Our yeah. team of trainers is all on this podcast, so it's really cool. Uh, I have 52 years in the business, started when Datsun what? was the uh, brand, not Nissan. So um, I've gone all the way from Porter washing cars all the way up to fix ops at uh, Beverly Hills Mercedes. So I've run every end of the gambit and I've been in training for about 10 years and just love what we do and love the product that we have. And I've known the Silvers for the last 35 years so uh, that run our company and it's great. I like how that 52 years just kind of rolls off the tongue. Yeah. That's what I like. It's <laughs> just so used to saying it. So welcome, guys. Man, I'm really excited to have you on. So kind of a continuation of, of what we're doing with the podcast here at the Summit. We're, kind of, we're talking about stuff to expect in 2024. You know, what do we learn from 2023 and some of the experiences, you know, with making shifts, making gains on, 
the industry and what we talk to our clients about and things of that nature, but what we're seeing and what we're hearing from our customer base, you know, and how we're going to help them. So kind of kicking it off, you know, and it just opened the table up. My biggest thing is, you know, every, every year it starts to roll over at the end of the year, everybody's looking at expenses. They're, they're talking about financials and things like that. And at the beginning of the year, it starts off with a conversation about, you know, pricing. You know, wh- what are we going to do with our pricing? Are we going to increase it? Do we need to stay the same? How do we need to optimize that structure and how do we need to look at it? So, like, in, in, at a financial standpoint or as, like, the beginning of the year rolling into th- this 2024, what are some things or some topics that you guys hear that you guys bring up to, to people that you talk to in the industry about, how, like, what's the focus? What's something you can get into? It's forecasting time. <laughs> forecasting. forecasting time. Everybody's budgets are going to be coming out for the year. Yeah. So what are we going to do? What are you going to do for me this year? So and looking looking ahead, you were just talking about with price optimization and so on and so forth. Well, what have we done? When did we do it last? And 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 what are we utilizing in order to be able to to, to be able to capture those uh, those low hanging fruit opportunities? So you know, however you go about it, whether using reporting or if you're going to be utilizing, just picking up the phone and calling folks around town and see where they're at. You know, you got to really recognize the the first thing already is are we getting what we're supposed to be getting? Right? Yeah. So what is your what's an audit process? for you on a daily basis. How are you looking for repair orders? Are my people charged what they're supposed to charge? So, or are they out there as our biggest price objectors? Yeah. So, you know, what do you have in place? And and is there enough in order to, to meet or exceed those budgetary goals just from charge what you're supposed to charge? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's amazing because you get some people that are like, they, you feel like they become financial planners. You know, it's like, listen, like they're willing to spend it, you know, if we present it the right way and if we talk about it. But me and Bart were talking about something earlier that was a pretty interesting topic and, and it kind of relating to those customers. It's not just what we're charging them, but what are some things that, that the dealer's putting in play to, to give some ease to their customers, you know, as far as financial support, you know, giving them certain things. And so, Bart, kind of, if you want to jump in. Yeah. So, I mean, to Matt's topic, one of the things is I find that, like, you know, advisors start to pre-negotiate, right? It's just like the salespeople will do that up front. That's why we have sales managers and things like that. And the sales managers do a great job of loading the lips of every salesperson before they go out and talk to that customer. Well, the service manager is super busy. They're pulled in so many different directions. And that's where a sound report that can show you those deviations and those times that we're using improper op codes because we're in a hurry. You know, we're always in a hurry back there, but we can't be in too much of a hurry to do it the right way. And for a number of reasons, right? So moving into this 2024, it's a big deal because the FTC came out with the CARS Act. Well, it doesn't take effect until July, but you, you really need to know what it's all about. And I'm really starting to do a lot of research on that myself. And so with the FTC CARS Act, we basically are taking every department in the dealership and making them compliant. And really what it's gonna lead to is if we don't follow that process, it's gonna lead to a lot of litigation. And I've, everybody knows that you know lawyers love to sue car dealers. And so at the end of the day, you know, let's make sure that we're not the ones that they're suing. But you know, talking about financing, you know, finances and, and how to make more revenue in the service department. You know, one of the things that is a hot topic right now is how to handle financing, right? So, you know, the economy's changing, and I believe that in this changing economy, people don't have that, um, you know, that disposable income maybe that they had, and right? They say the credit card utilization's way up if you look at any report. 
And so moving into this next year, those SunBits and those other financing organizations, those are something that you really need to take advantage of in your dealership and really start to learn those programs. And it doesn't have to be SunBit. There's a number of different companies out there and we are finding that SunBit's maybe not as giving as they used to be. And I'm hearing that in the industry a little bit. But look into those and realize that they can be used for a number of different things. So we can be talking about um, paying for a repair or a maintenance interval, but we can also sell a service contract after the sale. We've got the vehicle there, so in order to sell a service contract after the sale, normally we have to have an inspection done. Well, what's that take? And most of that can be done with an MPI. So that's a conversation. But something that's been going on for the last 10 years, and it keeps being tried and then it failed, is service lane equity. And so when we talk about service lane equity, you know, usually we have you know, oh, salesman A is gonna come back and they're gonna work the drive on Monday mornings. And then salesman B is gonna do Monday afternoons. And then a, 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 a real sale comes in and guess what? No one's back there on the drive. And not only that, but we're talking to clients, maybe pushing them into sales instead of only uh, approaching the, the clients that actually have equity in their vehicle. So what I have seen be very successful lately are the dealers that really embrace that a, a role where someone is really the finance manager of the service lane. So they have two roles. One, if the client can't, uh, can't pay for their repair, instead of the advisor having to go through the process of getting them approved with Sunbit, having to do all that, and that's very time consuming, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like that's at, the most important thing sometimes is, is how much time they're at, at the dealership. Sure. Yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, if, if I'm the advisor, I don't have that 15 or 20 minutes to spend with that client. What if I could take them to what we call, I wouldn't send them to the finance office because what if they're already busy delivering a vehicle? <clears throat> but what if we had someone dedicated in the service drive, right? So they get we have their own office because that's also a, a privacy thing. We're talking about people's, you know, their, their private information. So, hey, let me take you to this person and they're going to handle this with you. We're going to see if we can get you financed or get you a manufacturer's credit card. We're going to have a number of different, op different options to see if we can get this performed for you. Hey, maybe your dealership even has a layaway program where you say, listen, I couldn't get you approved for anything, but we all know you have to perform this repair. It's 1200 bucks. You know, why don't you um, get, you know, if you'd like, we, you know, we could run your credit card, you know, every 15, you know, every 15 days or when you call us. But, you know, here's what I don't want you to do is get two months down the road and not have saved up 1200 bucks. Maybe we can help you if you're not that good of a saver, because if they're in that situation, they've already proven that they're not. Yeah. Well, you know, if you've ever used one of those, has anybody at, 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 the, at the panel, the group, oh, actually had those in the drive? They're yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. 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 So they're they're, they're quick too. fantastic. They're pretty quick. Would too. you say that there's an additional benefit behind just the per beyond just the person that can't afford that repair? Is there an opportunity for us to use the Sunbit and the Affirm, the financing tool, to get a hold of somebody that can afford the repair, afford the repair, but now it becomes a retention tool? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then you can take it one step further, right? So, you know, the other thing that that person can do is, you, you know, you, if you're using that role, now you talk about retention is selling them another vehicle as well. Absolutely. So now, absolutely. because there's only so many people that have to be talked to to finance the vehicle. There's only so many, you know, or just finance the repair. Yes, we're going to talk about service contracts often. So that can keep them busy because anybody that doesn't come through a service contract should be introduced to the, let's call it the service lane, fi you know, finance manager until we come up with a better title. Um, but at the end of the day, now that person can handle the service lane equity. And if we're handling that correctly, where we're only talking to the clients that truly do have equity, where we really can keep their payment very similar to where they're at, 
Because when service lane equity first came out, we would s tell somebody that, hey, it looks like we can get you out of your car and get you in a new one. And then they would come, they'd get all excited. They're like, wow, you showed me a new vehicle. And we'd say, here's your new payment. It's $150 more. And they're like, well, why did you waste my time? And I get it. They were already going to be at the dealership. But is that really putting across a good image? So at the end of the day, we would only talk to the clients that really do have a good situation. And then now we, we're we're making that role pay for itself because otherwise you've got so many people wearing hats that they shouldn't wear. That person has that role, right? So that's kind of like what I see in 2024, you know, FTC cars. And then I think that dealer financing, I think we need to take that to the next level. I think we need to make finance managers that work there and that's work in the lane and that's their role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah work the drive, man. There's gold up there. There is gold there. Up I'm there. saying there's gold back there. <laughs> I worked at an Audi store that uh, we had a picture of our used car manager with a checkbook. His name was Jerry. <laughs> so everybody knew Jerry in the service drive because they had a big life-size poster of him yeah. with a check and a pen. He said, I want to buy your used Audi. Yeah. And they, at that time, they were really, really short on used Audis, and they had a higher value than the residual on the car. So they'd take somebody out of a lease, put them into a new one, and give them cash back. So in those situations, you're right, the equity in that car is really mm -hmm. key to somebody making that decision because if I can get a less, less or sim similar payment and get money back, hallelujah. Yeah, and I think I think we got, can all agree. I mean, you know, now I know he said something that's a hot topic for one of my other panelists here, the MPI stuff. So we're going to get to that. I promise that. But I think that it when he started talking about negotiation, you know, on the drive and things like that, can everybody agree that this is such a unique business still? Because short of like buying furniture or horse trading, how much can you negotiate price as much as you do in a dealership? Yeah. As far as maybe I'm going to it. But why are you negotiating? Yeah. And the thing is, you're, we're still doing it because price objection starts where? With the customer or, or. service advisor, <laughs> manager, maybe. Do you believe in your pricing? Yeah. You know, and, and we've all, <laughs> if you haven't done it, liar. <laughs> but while you're early as a service advisor and, and, and learning and so on and so forth, you are currently basing your opinions in every way you slice it. If you're selling from your own pocket, we've all heard of that. Yeah. You're basing your opinion on your own pricing that was set by your management team on a resource that has a vested, uh, an absolutely vested interest in keeping your prices down, and that's the customer. Yeah. Right? So why would they, boy, your oil changes are pretty cheap compared to Jiffy Lube. Yeah. You should probably pick that up. Well, and then again, yeah, expand, <laughs> right? expanding on that, customer. the value, the value of what you bring. And so like, let's roll into that MPI conversation sure, you sure, want to go yeah. into. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so relevant, you know, before we even jump into that, let's talk about Diag. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Diag. One of the things, one of the things that I've seen so many times too is, is, you know, we, one of the great things that Dynatron brings to the table is those secret shops, right? Yeah. So you get to see what those competitors, your local competitors are. And of course we get to see what other people in your demographic and even in your region are charging. But more importantly, Sometimes you might, I mean, your hourly rate is, say, 200 bucks an hour, right? And, and, and your Diag charges, oh, yeah, 200 bucks an hour. <laughs> and, then, and, then you get, and then you get the secret shop that comes in, you know, and, and the guy down the road's like 90 bucks. Yeah. Or maybe he's, you know, maybe he's 120 bucks. Or, you know, so, so you got to be cognitive of stuff like that. Cause you don't want to look overpriced. Yeah. You know, you don't want to look overpriced. So, so, so in doing such, uh, I certainly encourage a lot of our dealers, we're, you know, we're seeing this, this trend in the industry with tiered diagnostics, right? What an amazing thing tiered diagnostics is. But more importantly, is to take your BDC and measure how many appointments didn't convert. How many 
people did not come in for an appointment, yeah. right? They just they just said, oh, well, I'll call you back. Or what about the ones that says, oh, yeah, I'll be there next Thursday there for sure. Go, yeah. And then they don't show up. They don't right? show up. Yeah. And then they don't show up. So you need to measure that. Yeah. Make sure you're not losing some at-bats. We yeah. see that so often. We see that so often. So definitely want to be cognitive of that, especially since these labor rates are getting so high. Well, I think it's, and it's funny because you, you bring up that three that tier diag stuff, and mm-hmm. that's kind of a hot button over here with my workshop panelists. Yeah. You guys want to so, expand on that while we got it open? I'm going to expand on it just a little bit in that in the service drive, we don't always see the opportunities that we're missing. And, Jim, you hit on it when you said get the BDC involved in the discovery side of that. We may sit in the service drive as a service advisor or a manager and see, hey, we got 10 cars this week to diagnose. That was great. We did 10 diogs at, at our full one-hour you know, yeah, right. target on our grid. What we didn't see is how many people didn't show up that had reached out to us and asked us, hey, what are you going to charge me to diagnose this car? Yep. So the discovery becomes much more important than just implementing a solution. It's are we missing at-bats right. and how many at-bats are we missing? And right. when we find that we're missing a large number of at-bats, we can use that data to get the rest of our team on board to understand why it's so important for us to readdress a solution like three-tier. This is something that Cameron is very personal about and does a great job in his <laughs> workshop. And I kind of jumped in before you started the talk because I knew as soon as you took it, you were going to take and run with uh, the expert three-tierness that Cameron Stewart is so well the good the good news is most most of you folks that are listening to this have probably been to our workshop or if you haven't the end of day one we go over the last item is we look at how much repair work you have so we have a lot of people that have 15 20 percent repair work and then we end up uh, uh, looking at that and seeing that okay but you've got 10 technicians five are master technicians but you're doing 20 percent on a high of repair, what are the other three doing when they don't have any repair work at $40, $50 an hour? So we show you how to do that, and we do a comparison of what we do, and we do, we do the obvious thing, and having been a technician, I can relate, and I ask the class, now 80%, would you agree that 80% of the cars that come in and drive in that have a diagnostic problem, we know what's wrong with them already? And most people might argue and say, no, it's 70% or 60 Okay, but more than half of them have that, so why are you charging 200 in your example? for that, to bring it in, to do that sort of thing. And when somebody says, well, I'm not doing this three-tier thing, and I never ask them for a commitment on day one, I always say day two, we're going to come back to it and say, so who's in? And I had somebody come in, and the fixed ops guy was there with the general manager. The general manager wanted to do it, and the fixed ops said, no, we're not going to do it. And I said, okay, that's fine. I said, so you were at 12% repair. He says, yeah. I said, so what's your plan to get that up? Right, uh, right. I, I know a solution for you, but you don't like it, so just tell me what you're going to do because you, you have all those master technicians. You're spending way too much money on them, and people aren't doing the repair work with you because you're blowing them out with $200 in the first diagnostic. They don't show up. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem is, is that the we're tech, there's a technician crisis, right, in the country, and everybody wants more techs, and you don't want to do anything to upset your techs. But this isn't about stealing from a technician. And I think that's the initial perception by any fixed ops person is they go, I, I can't take time away from my technician. And it's not about taking time away from your technician. It's about giving them more time. Absolutely. We're, in the long run, we're getting so much more flat rate hours for that technician. This is about keeping them you know, flush with work rather than the opposite. Yeah, right? Well, at the at best bats. kind of work, too. And what happens is you do a half hour of diagnostic on that, but you sell five hours of labor. The other one... If you got the $200, they say, 
that's too much money to repair it and they take it somewhere else after you diagnose this is the thing that keeps them there and does that sort of thing i was a technician and i always understood i'd rather work on two cars for 10 hours than 10 cars at 10 hours that I'm not going to get. Yeah. And then you lose your client. I mean, look at the defect. Look at the defect uh, possibility of that, right? Where they're, they're going to go somewhere else. You're giving them a chance to go somewhere else. You're giving them the opportunity by having that raise so high that they can go somewhere else. And Because the perceived value is AutoZone does it for free. You know? <laughs> yeah. When we know that's not the case. I mean, we're in this business. We know that's not the case. So being competitive in that, I, I totally agree with you. I got to watch a pretty interesting uh, interaction with the AutoZone doing it for free once. It was fabulous watching him go, if you want it done right and know what's wrong, go to the dealer. Make no mistake about it, they sell parts. <laughs> but what I will tell you, though, is, is uh, think about everything we're talking about right now. So we all agree, whether we were previous technicians, managers, whatever, we all agree. Makes sense. We probably know what that is. Not everything takes an hour to diagnose. We right. got that. Our biggest hang-up of everything, technicians. So why aren't we bringing the technicians into the conversation? That's right. And that's exactly what I did when I implemented mine. I brought them in. We sat down. And it was probably one of the craziest things. It was almost like hearing a dog meow. I'm serious. It was, <laughs> it was messed up. I had my, we'll say, more boisterous technicians uh, in the office because figured, well, they're the more boisterous ones. If there's a problem, everybody's going to complain about it. They're going to complain to them. They'll handle it. <laughs> but we sat down, and I had listed out everything I believe to be, this is a half hour. I believe this justifies an hour, and this was my other stuff. A little different than the three-tier that well, you guys Well, that's why we have three-tier at three right. different rates, though. So, and yeah. then I brought them in the office. I already did like the legwork. This is why. And I went through everything you just talked about. We're trying to get the repair work in. We're trying to get more yeses, more at-bats, more opportunity. So when I talked to him about it, told him about it, and I said, here's the list. What do you guys think? This is where it got weird. <laughs> they took something from the one hour and moved it to the half hour. Yeah. yeah. And it was for checking for oil leaks. They did it. I didn't. I already had oil leaks in an hour. They said, no, nah, we're really going to maybe we'll spray it off. If we can't, did they know. say meow? So, <laughs> that's what it sounded like, right? Because it was the it was the one thing that we I did not expect, and it was the one area I was sure and certain was going to be the biggest fight, biggest pushback, and it wasn't. And the thing is, they got to be part of the solution. It was done with, not to. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, it, it does. Because yes. I think sometimes it's not so much. Uh, the fear of changing the time or discussing or, or making a change to that one hour or whatever we're currently using, it's the fear of having the conversation with the yeah, technician. Exactly. Right? Everybody agrees, or a lot of service managers in their head are agreeing this is a good idea. I just don't want to put forth the effort that I'm going to have are to put forth. Are they pre-negotiating it then? They're pre-negotiating yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and to, to your point, Matt, I had some really good feedback back in a workshop I did at the end of last year where a service manager identified the fact that he wanted to go down a road of a diagnostic strategy. Mm -hmm. I said it that way because they approach a little bit different than our three-tier, but similar, and he made a plan. He went to his technicians and said, what operations are out there that you guys are losing on? Like, where, where do we need to correct and get ourselves yeah. positioned more correctly? Yeah, yeah. give and take. And baby. he spent and about take. a month, big shop, 5,000 euros a month plus, and I tell you the store, um, took about a month to, to collect this and added time to a lot of labor operations that the technicians felt they deserved more time on. And at the end, he said, okay, now I need one 
for, for the store, this is where we feel we need to make a change, diagnostic strategy, this is what we're thinking, and they did the three, five and one hour, three tenths, half an hour and one hour based on like a, the three tier structure. What do you guys think? And every technician went, I'm all in. Absolutely, it makes perfect sense. Well, so, it, it, it you know, makes a good point. They made it part of a plan instead yeah. of just take, take, take. Well, so. I think you hit it right on the head when you said it's their diag strategy. And, you know, I think everybody looks at it a little differently. And what we, um, what we talk about at the workshop, we always say this isn't gospel. This can change. You can make your own version of this. This is just a suggestion of how we see it. And so some people do two-tier diag. Some yeah. people do one-tier diag, but they lower that cost down because, you know, they see it that all we want to do is get the customer in. We don't want to bait and switch them. But if you're training your advisors on how to handle it, that we're talking that this is just going to check out your vehicle, and then we're going to give you the next step. Because, yeah. it, you know, how many times somebody come in and next, next thing you know, you've got a smoke test or a leak mm -hmm. test. Well, do we tell them that over the phone before we tell them to come in for their one-hour diag if we, if we quote it? No. Right. We just we tell them to come in. We tell them it's going to be one-hour diagnose. And then we tell them, hey, we found some others. we got to tear down your motor. We have to do this. I think, Alex, not to tell you how to run your show, but I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think Mute if, him now. If, <laughs> that was Bart there. So if I was you, I think you should take 30 minutes um, and have a panel all talking about different ways that they handle Diag. Um, because I find that there's a lot of different ways to do it, and there's sure. luxury-branded stores, there's domestic-branded stores. You know, each one has their own ways to do it. And so I think if you had a panel that only talked, you know, for one of your shows about that, because obviously we're going down a rabbit hole here, and I think there's a number of other topics we wanted to talk about. But I mean, it's such a passionate. Um, once we, you know, all came with Dynatron and we we had that discussion, I think we're all passionate that the current Diag system in most dealerships is broken. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. last comment though is. Because we're always working towards, we think it's going to be the techs that have a problem. It's really the the managers in the shop in the, the two day workshop. Great point. So they always say, well, what do you do in this case? And well, what do you mean? Well, I want to know what happens if you need more time. I said, what do you do currently? So I, I use a very simple thing, and I use the uh, example of a mash unit. You know, mash the show that we all saw was a Korea unit, and what happened is they came in. You're aging you had yourself. three categories. <laughs> I, I told you I've been around a long time. 52 years of experience coming they were out. Driving, hard, they boy. weren't driving Datsuns then. <laughs> so what happened is you would go in, you either went in for immediate surgery because you were going to be at risk if they didn't have surgery. You had a minor one, they made you wait. The other ones, they couldn't help. So I say, well, what do you do when that happens? What do you do now currently in there? They said, well, you know, we... We have to figure out if we're going to lower their time. I said, okay, but if your kid plays sports and you go out to the, and they have like a soccer game and they fall down and they hurt their arm, you take them to the ER. They check it and they say, well, we need to do an x-ray. Do you pay for the x-ray? Or is that part of the check-in when you do that? And if that happens and they have to put a cast on it, is that included in the x-ray and the check? Right. No, that's another thing. So... Who in the room, and I always ask the same question, who in the room would not pay your technician if they needed an extra half hour to check to find out what's really wrong with it? Right. And you internal that or you, you know, call the customer and change that. But, you know, most of the time we're not going to have to do that. Eight out of ten times we're going to have the solution and know what it is up front. So in that situation you have to decide that. That's why you want to do that. And that guy that came up and said, I don't want to do this, his general manager said, oh, we're in. We had a conversation last night. He says, he's doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the key. Yeah. We talked about earlier today about having GMs involved. And if they're in that workshop and they hear that, most of them will all turn around and go, oh, that's, that's brilliant. 
I know GMs look yeah. through things through a, a totally different lens. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and that's okay. You know, you, know, you got to remember, I tell everybody, the general manager role, it's general for a reason. You know, you're not supposed to fight the battles because if you die, like, we, what are we going to do then? Yeah. Right? And so you think of the service managers, they're like the sergeants, right? They're in charge of the troops. And so that's, that's why sometimes we have to see the battle from a 10,000-foot view as a GM, and then we've got our people in the trenches, our service managers, who admittedly, no offense to them, they sometimes get tunnel vision on. We all get like that when we're focused on you know something. We get tunnel vision, vision whereas sometimes we just need a little guidance. Well, I mean, I think the common theme, I mean, and, and Jim, I'll let you kind of jump, JR, I'll let you jump in a sec, but the, I think the common theme, though, I mean, these are all great concepts, right? These are all great ideas, great concepts, great conversations, like you're saying, Matt, bringing them in part of the conversation. You know, Jim was saying, we need more at-bats. But I think the, the biggest disconnect that we've all experienced in industry today, even to what we're doing now, and being in the trenches, you know, a long time ago, Cameron. But, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, so it's clearly defining the why, right? It's clearly yes. it's just clearly defining the why. Like, yeah. why are we yep. looking to do this? Yep. And that's what Matt yep. was kind of you know, making them part of the process. Yeah, you kind of breaking yep. it down. Yep. Clear you know, expectations. And, and more things in the dealership, I think, you know, especially like you said from the GM level, they, they sometimes have a hard problem to do it because they, this is what we need to do. Let's go do it. But we miss the why. Yep. We miss the that's why. Right. And so clearly defining the why and getting that process going. I think it's a great point is like you, as you look at your forecast or as you look at 2024, am I looking to make see these steps and these changes, but am I clearly defining the why to my team? Can I get them to understand on my level of what I'm trying to do yep. and why I'm trying to do it? Yep. So, yep. I, I think that's, that's spot on, 100% spot on. And, you know, you know, we'll talk about a hidden paycheck, right? A hidden paycheck, a hidden paycheck. So, so you, you know, the scarcity of technicians, right? Who would yeah. have thought we'd be paying tax while we're having to pay them right I now, right? Know, Is man. anybody here at this table go, wow, I mean, just wow. Yeah, that's what is this, Canada? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. Well, so, it's, so, it's, it's American dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's so, it's, yeah. so it's mind-boggling. So, so some managers are, are a little scared. They don't want to lose techs, and I can appreciate that. And the techs keep coming up, you're taking this money away from me, you're taking this or you're taking that, and, and you were right. You give and take on some things. But at the end of the day, there is a hidden paycheck that those techs have. And truthfully, that's the MPI, right? Mm -hmm. That's the multi-point inspection. That is their hidden opportunity. That's their hidden paycheck. So so something I tell, you know, one of the, one of the blessings of Dynatron is that we have so many amazing accounts, right? So 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 one of the things that certainly helps a lot of a lot of our clients is, is to, to have them actually have, you know, pay pay the guy that really shakes your car down. You know, you know that guy, you know the one, you got, he's in your shop and he always comes with a freaking laundry list, right? <laughs> but it's all legit, you've been behind him, you made sure he's not just fluffing things up, mm -hmm. you know it's real stuff, and this is your guy. Have him shake a car down, let it be a used car, 80 grand, right? Pay him an hour, it was after hours, no one else in the shop knew he did it. Now let's run that car through the shop to our other techs. Right. Let's run that car through the shop to our other yeah. technicians, and let's see how many hours each technician left on the plate that was their money because they didn't shake the car down the way that, that they should have, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's dollars and cents. It makes totals, and it makes everybody more money. And, and it's, it's just an easy fix. I don't know why people don't do more of that. I don't know. It's, just, it's kind of funny, you know, drop in there. I like to make the, the medical analogies all the time, too. I mean, I don't go as far back as MASH, but... <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you the, top gun? Uh, I'm still watching cartoons, man. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> They're all lying. They're all lying about their age. But I mean, the the thing about it is, and I think you're going to jump in on it. Maybe this too is is you know that that mentality of going to the doctor, right? You're you going to the doctor. So if you're seeing, let's say you see 
the same guy all the time. And he's going to tell you stuff that you know you probably don't want to hear. You know, you got to lose weight, you got to exercise, got to eat better, got to quit smoking, got to do something of that nature. But the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't listened yet. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, though. Like, even if we don't listen and take those actions, the second he stops asking, he's not going to listen to me anyways. Are we still going to go to that guy? Is that guy got our best interests at heart? He's going to ask. He's going to bring me this laundry list of things, but he understands that this is a, you know, just like your body's a big investment for you, right? So it's like these are things like if they pull away and they don't always start to bring that value or say, hey, listen, this is what what you need to do. This is what I'm telling you. You don't have to do it, but this is my recommendations of what you need to do. When they start to pull away from that, do they really value you? Well, he does qualify. He says, you're not going to exercise even though I want you to. <laughs> where, where you're going with that, Alex, though, is that when you're talking about MPIs, and, and boy, that was a lot of passion. I mean, good Lord. Wow. I want to go do one now. Anyway, but, but it does. Okay, great. So now we have a shop that can do a nice, complete, consistent multi-point inspection. Now what? Now what? So Sell now something. you have your service advisors that are sell something. Yeah. Well, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm gonna have to sell stuff. How about you just look at what your actual t- job title is? You're a service advisor. advisor. It is your job to provide the doctor's findings to the client and let them make their own decision at that point in time. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing that consistently, you're, yes, leaving dollars on the table. Technicians are going to get frustrated and look a little less hard, especially, well, can't be, that writer's got it. But from there, you know, it goes even just a a, a little bit of a step further. Have you ever had a client that after you've done a multi-point, technician noted the battery yellow, and you're like, "Mm," and didn't go over the multi-point, car's dead the next week, called you and said, Thanks for not <laughs> yeah. telling me I need I a mean, battery. You got to drive on the same roads they do. So right. I mean, I, I bring it up in every workshop that I do. If I fly into the Syracuse airport tomorrow, I'm going to land at 12:48 p.m., so one o'clock in the morning. If I go out to my truck and turn a key and the battery's dead, I'm going to be very upset with the the Chrysler, the CDJR star that services my truck, because no one there has ever told me the status of my battery. So I'm assuming it's okay because I trust them to tell me everything and anything that needs to be performed on my vehicle every time I bring it to them. Same story for our dealers and our service advisors yes. Yes. and their clients. That's our, that's the service, and that's the dealership's job. Yeah, the yeah. customer should never drive away that's without right. us discussing with them everything and anything that needs to be addressed on the car. And I'm gonna quote a service manager from a workshop I did last week and then we become their financial advisor. Right? Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. When it when the customer decides that everything and anything that needs to be done to the car is outside of their budget, then we become the financial advisor that takes them to what's right for the time. Yeah. Yep. Right? But it rolls back to the yep. multi-point inspection, which is going to give us the ability to have that conversation with the by us, I mean yep. the service advisor, mm-hmm. to have that conversation with now. the customer that leads us there. Yes. And let me just add one more thing and then it's all <laughs> you. You you brought up the MPI clinic. So another key point of that MPI clinic when you have a master or that one technician you trust do that multi-point inspection and compare everybody else's against that. Your service advisors see that happening. They're going to be more confident in what they're presenting to the customer because they know the other techs now are turning in the multi-point inspection that matches that master tech, which is the multi-point inspection that 
the dealership should want every single time from every technician. So ancillary value, and I'm sorry, JR. No, no, you're fine, you're fine. But you know, on top of that, you, you've got, I mean, how many of us uh, bring in our techs and train them exactly how we want that multi-point inspection done? You have 20 or 30 techs, do you get 20 or 30 different variants on sure. what's green, what's yellow, what's red? I mean, that should be something that should be basic. You should make sure every single tech knows what your expectations are uh, from the get-go. So if anything happens to one of them, if they're in the middle of doing a multi-point inspection and drop a tire on their foot and they have to quit, go to the emergency room, somebody else should be able to jump right in and pick up where they left off, make sure that everybody's doing it the exact same way, every car, every time. And what is so beautiful about all this is this leads to something that all of us need to think about before we work, raise prices. Because when we start kicking people out or they can't afford a diagnostic or a technician is leaving and we have to replace them, we, our first reaction as managers of that department is to raise prices. Once we do MPIs appropriately and counsel with our customers and get the technician more and more involved, we can increase our penetration. The more we increase our penetration, the less we have to raise our prices. And everyone gets a lot happier when, when that happens. Specifically, it also leads to forming a relationship with the customers, which leads to retention, which all of us want, and that will also keep us from raising prices, which are a very sensitive subject since COVID, inflation, or recession that didn't happen, that's still possible, so on and so forth. I, you know, I totally agree with that. And I think, I think truthfully, you got to celebrate the wins too, right? You got to celebrate the wins. You know, we're so, we're so quick to look, look, the common customer is saying, Oh, I'm going to that dealership again, man. Every time I go down there, they're telling me all the stuff I need that I might not need. And you know, because, good. because yeah, well, no, not good because we're only <laughs> telling them the bad. You got to tell them the good too. So with an MPI, there's a lot of great stuff. If I'm planting the seeds of all the stuff that looked right, all the things that were right on each time, and I did that the first visit, and I did that the second visit, because my team does it every time without fail with my customer, and we're celebrating the goals. When I hit them up with maybe a little yellow this time, and oh, geez, you got a red red indication next time, you're, you're helping them plan, you're helping them budget, like you said, but more importantly, you didn't just hit them between the eyes every time they come in. Yeah, it's, it's more so, uh, you know, I'm not saying good as in, you know, it's good that we're <laughs> yeah, telling them what's wrong with their vehicle every time. I'm glad that they're at least having that conversation every time. Yeah. Because yeah. there are so many stores there's so many stores in the country where they're like, Hey, we did your oil change, your keys are at the window. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what about the MPI? they don't the customer doesn't ask about the MPI. You know, so and, and maybe just maybe the MPI was done, but it's in the bottom of their paperwork. Right. No it's one not went like over the it. cashier yeah. didn't go over yeah. it. And it's not like they go through it and, and, and open it up. And you know, and so at the end of the day, it's good but we talk about selling to the green all the time in the workshops. You know, the, these, the, they Good do a great job. Yeah, we, we love when we tell them, you came in today, and guess what? Your car didn't need a thing. You're doing such a great yeah. job maintaining your vehicle. And to your point about the yellow, maybe it's not about selling that maintenance interval today. It's to say, hey, the yellow has told us that you're going to need tires soon. Right? Yes, right. put this in your budget because we just talked about budget, yeah. right? And so at the end of the day, now this is in their their budget, and the first pe the first people to talk about tires usually get them. NADA says if somebody buys your tires from you, they're like ninety two percent most likely to buy another vehicle from you. That's a crazy stat. Why don't we focus on that more? Yeah. You know, and it's like the number one defect point too. Yeah. People people roll out your door. 
you know, like that's like the number one defect point too. That people roll out your door because, and it's so sad, right? We can have, and, and a lot of dealers do. They got huge racks and stacks of tires on their service drive, and they got these big signs that say, "This is your good, better, and best options." And a customer will always go back and say, "Well, I didn't know you sold tires." <laughs> yeah, the, the, right in front of you. I didn't know you sold tires, right? Don't, and, and, don't let them hit you on the way out. Exactly. Geez. Exactly. <laughs> well, one last note on the batteries that we talk about. You know, we we go through one of the screens, which the biggest gain in the second day workshop when you analyze their numbers is about one item ROs. Yes. So we have a list of things that go there, and one of them is a battery. So what I do is we stop, we pause, we all do, and say, all right, tell me how many ROs you have. Twenty five hundred ROs. How many batteries you do? Eighteen. You think there's an opportunity there? And we go around the room, and it, there's nobody is ever over 5% batteries, and it's the number one failure rate in all the cars that stick you somewhere and piss your people off, but we don't do a good job of testing them all. Why? We're he, on a microphone here. He said <laughs> um, adult you, word. Yes, he well, listen, <laughs> he's Canadian, so <laughs> he'll say sorry. <laughs> So I, I always like when I'm talking about these conversations, I think um, a very, very wise person who was my first fixed ops consultant that ever came to my dealership and introduced me to Dynatron, so I'm really thankful for him. Um, but he talked to me about quality of life. And when he talked about quality of life, he said, everything you do in your job, it creates your quality of life better. And then it's someone else's job to do their job, but that's their quality of life. Like, so if the technician does the MPI, and does it right and does it every time, they did their job. And even if the advisor doesn't go sell it, that wasn't, that's okay, you did your job, right? And so now you have to go to, uh, the, you know, the advisor has to do their job for their own quality of life. But if you really look at that scenario about the battery, right? Let's look at both of those scenarios. Client comes in and, you know, cause I'm a big person, I, I'm not a big fan of battery testers. Cause I'm all about, you know, there's a life on a battery. If it's a three year battery, that's a three year battery. You know, it might test good at three years and test green, and then the next day it tests red. It just happens, right? So I hate battery testers. Um, but, let, you know, even if you're using, even if you're doing it however you're doing it, it you got to have a conversation with the client and say, hey, you've got a three-year battery, and um, you should really replace that. Because if you don't, if it tests green and the client leaves, and like Jim LaManna, you know, Jim, if you, it, you know, Jimmy, if you're, if you're getting off the airport in Syracuse and your car doesn't start and you blame the dealer and they pull out a little sheet and they say, Jimmy, it, it, it measured green. Well, you're like, but it's a three-year battery and now I had to have it towed to you and all these things. Well, now you're going to be upset with us. You, you know, we're probably going to have to help you with the tow and all these, we're going to have to apologize, even though we really didn't do anything wrong. We kind of just followed our process. We have to take that process one step further. But if we're having these conversations and making these recommendations, and then what if they recommended the battery and you're like, I'll do that next time. And then the battery fails. Guess what? Now, when you call that, you know, the, that dealership, you're going to go, Hey, you're not going to believe this. My, my battery's dead. Uh, it's bad. I need you to come get my vehicle. I think that's what it is. And oh, by the way, did I say no to anything else? <laughs> you know, so that leads me down. And now, now we really are their trusted advisor again. Now they get, hey, man, I'm not, making res I'm not making recommendations to you for stuff that you don't need. I genuinely have your best interest in mind. Our technicians have your best interest in mind. You know, and you can think about that, that quality of life, you know. Yeah, and again, it's just it's it's, a, it's de defining the why, you know, but also doing that not just to your team and to your people, but to your customers as well. You know, what are we exactly doing? What's the customer experience that you have here at the store? But then at the general, general manager level, 
you know, is he is he leading that pack? Is he leading that charge? Is he taking some of the stuff that he does up front and applying it to the back? You know, is he standing on the lane for 15 minutes a day or something of that nature just to get a feel or a pulse what's going on? Is he communicating with his service managers, his fixed op directors, and is he training that person on how to communicate excellence to his team and, and just that overall experience and that kind of stuff? So it's it's a fun thing to kind of get into and to, and to kind of roll down. You'd go a whole nother uh, – podcast which how do you know i don't how do you know i don't have a podcast talking about that stuff i mean how you know you want to look at a pipeline over here man (laughs) so i mean what else is out there like what what's something kind of like it's kind of veering off of this just a bit like what's something out there that that's maybe a big focus i mean we talked on ev in the last session you know and kind of getting into that aspect of it but like what's What's kind of another aspect kind of going at? What do you want to say? No, not anymore. <laughs> well, you can say it. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, I thought Adam did a great job, really just kind of pinpointing and wrapping up MPIs. Yeah. You, know, you want to talk about pricing, compliance, and so on and so forth. Well, you've already got you've already got your pricing set. Cool. The first place you shouldn't be jumping is raise it, decrease it, whatever. It's are we doing enough and in one aspect one aspect if everybody really looked at it and said what's my process i bet you you got some holes that's it and and we'll get, we had 30 minutes worth of conversation about mpis and the importance of them but what they reach out to yeah what else does it touch just by making sure that we do these what other areas of coaching and opportunity are we going to identify right so these are areas that we'll be able to find ways to get better but at the same time probably drastically improve our bottom lines without having to really change anything customer facing regarding what's what's in their wallets yeah right so and and provide them with a better experience overall so i think that is now and continues to be but moving into 24 speaking of pricing are we still able to move pricing the way we were in 23 22 Mm. well inflation hasn't stopped yeah so are people have to, people are paying more for gas or paying more. I'm in California, so we pay a lot more <laughs> yeah, so yeah. in our, in our state, state you, you've got to, I mean, you've got to be able to pay your people enough and you got to be able to give them the raises to retain them. Number one, we talked about how hard it is to get a technician to stay. Um, if they start selling repair work, they do the three tier and everything is there and we have all of our MPIs being done right. You're going to get the right kind of work and they're going to make a good, a better living than they are now with less work and less effort. The value of a tenth. Yep. In your upcoming second uh, executive level two workshop. Yep. The value of a tenth. Great for the shop in the bottom line. What is an hour to a technician? Over a week, over a month, over a year. What does that mean to them? Again, circling right back to where we were before. Are we doing what we need to be doing every time? But also, I mean, what do, we, what do we think about infrastructure? I mean, these are all great ideas, but are they ready for it? Do you have the infrastructure for it? Do you have the capacity for it? EVs. You know, when, right. yeah, or, or just anything. We talked about technician tools the other day, you know, and, and some other stuff that went in. But it's like, you know, what what are maybe at the GM level, right? What are we taking, and and what are we putting back into the to the dealership to promote the team a little bit better, better better experience for them? Like one of the things I liked when, when we switched to, or when I would switch to go different lanes and different service departments I go to, you know, the standard, you know, podium on the lane and that kind of stuff is kind of an idea. But you, I mean, customers, you know, it's hard to have a conversation when stuff flying by and you almost kind of feel rushed to an extent. And then you go to those other places that they have their own individual office. 
and you go in there and it's like you said it's more of a personalized experience where they're sitting down with them and it's and they're talking about their stuff and kind of working with them on their stuff but what do we think about infrastructure and that talk about you know how people at the beginning of the year can start to look at you know hey i've got all these great ideas of play things to put into play but do i have what i need to, to make this happen well one one thing that i hear cameron say a lot is how do you need, how do you eat an elephant you know one bite at a time right so um you know at the end of the day I think that as the GM side of things, being the general manager, I think sometimes we get scared of our team looking at us and we don't have the answers. So me putting my general manager hat back on for a moment, I think that as general managers, we have to take a hard look in the mirror and realize our team doesn't want us to always have the answers. They want us to ask them what they think the answers should be. Uh, you talked about the why earlier and talk about, you know, what is it that we, what's our goal and then how are we going to get there? All right. And then you have to start, you know, setting a timeline of how we implement these things and realize that as the general manager, you don't have the answers. You know, I, I've never worked in fixed operations and, and I came up to the variable side of things, but I'm sure there's still a ton of things that I can learn through the sales process of how to sell a car, finance a car or, you know, sell a service contract, any of those things. And so that's where we just need to listen to our people and then start to figure out what the first step is in our journey. Are we going to work on MPIs? Are we going to work on, um, you know, selling tires? Uh, are we going to work on, uh, you know, advisor training? Are we, there's a number of different topics, but we have to focus on what's the most important thing to us first. And then, and then yeah. what are we going to work on second? And then what you have to do is you got to do it. You know, that's the biggest thing. We can all talk about, we talked about so many topics today, and if somebody left this 30-minute podcast and they go, I'm going to go work on all that stuff, none of it will get done. None of it will yeah. get done. When the answer to all your questions is yes. <laughs> we are going to do all those things, but as you said, it's a priority of what you have to do now. And again, if they feel you're behind them and you care about them and you have empathy for them and you're asking their opinion, you know, when we take the three tier and we go out, we, take, we recommend you take it to your top person in the shop that say, hey, I want you to run some things by you. This is what we're going to do. Now, when he buys in and everybody follows them, they're going to say, okay, if he says it's going to work, and then you celebrate all of those things, when you sell a five or six or seven hour ticket off of that $69.99 tier one diagnostic, everybody celebrates and they know. And then what happens is everybody realizes, you know, I keep saying, the Olympics happen every four years and every year they set new records. How is that possible as long as the Olympics have been going on? Because people believe they can and they do. So you just got to gotta show them the vision and you got you to gotta make them a part of it. Yeah, you know, I think that makes me lead into one more question because I don't have the fixed ops experience that all of you do. And so at the end of the day, you know, when you, you've all been new service managers and new fixed ops directors, some of you multiple times, when you get to a store day one, what is it that you start working on the first thing? What is it that you start looking at and really thinking about? I, I Every time I've gone into a new store, I spend the first couple weeks to couple months, depending on size, manufacturer, all that kind of stuff, just observing. What have they got going on? What are they concentrating on? What are they missing? 
who knows their stuff? Who needs training? When's the last time any of us walked into a store and the service manager said, no, all my advisors know exactly what they're doing? <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened, right? Well, you have 75% oil changes and maintenance. Right, right. Because they're not really yeah. order takers. <laughs> and and Alex, yeah. Alex said why earlier. And there, there is a big why, and there are a lot of answers to that why. When we walk into a store, we walk in alone because no one in that store knows more about fixed ops than we do and we may not have even met the guy who runs the store yet if it's a big corp or something like that we got hired by a fixed operations director there's no one in the store to train a service manager so if there's anyone right. there to train a service manager who's going to train the service advisors right? yeah and it, and it's a vicious cycle so someone does need to investigate why are we not doing this yeah. Why should we do this? What difference does it make? When you said it, we were we just finished talking about. Uh, you brought up they were doing forecasts. Mm -hmm. We could talk for three weeks on forecasts. Without <laughs> <laughs> a doubt, this number needs to be this. This number needs to be this to make that number do this, do that. Why? Mm -hmm. Why don't we get sell more? Oh, gosh. Then we can raise the price if we need to. The automotive industry it doesn't pay attention very well sometimes. And that's because we, we don't get trained too well sometimes. We, we have service managers increasing their prices, and then you go, okay, when's the last time you changed your oil price? What? <laughs> oh, it's been two years since I've done that. What has gone up the most over the past two years? Parts. <laughs> Oil. Parts. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, I, I think it is, a, it is hard to do, but we have to get out of our own self when we do our job. And we have to ask hard questions like why. And we can't just say, well, this is the way we all did it. I mean, 50 years ago, we all carried guns and we wrote ROs with pencils. Mm. Yeah. Right? That's right. Right. But we were the guys that we carried the money to the bank and blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. That's right. We have IT now, and, and we're not good at accepting and using IT. It's an excuse not to do it. So the, the why is, is the foundation of any change that we're going to make in a department, including three-tier diagnostics. Bring the people in. That's brilliant. Let yeah. them make their own decision. Yeah, I like and that. And sign off on it. It's great. Yeah. Come with you. And, and you know, you know, I think not only is that 100% right, dude, Adam, that was spot on, 110%. But what, Simon Sinek, because you, you actually mentioned, you know, why, right? The why keeps coming up, right? Simon Sinek wrote an amazing book, Start With Why. Mm. So, so, so we're not just talking about, uh, uh, you know, as an investigative option, when I come into a new store, what am I looking at? You know, what kind of profitability? What kind of production? What kind of, you know, not just that and why am I looking at that, but more important, equally important, because it's actually not more important, equally important is when we're training our people, did you explain why? Mm. Yeah. Very good point. That's perfect stuff. No, it's great. It's great. I mean, again, it's, it, it just kind of, it just seems like a reoccurring theme that we just, you just look over really fast. Yeah. You know, well, we can do this and this. Let's just go do that. You know, why? And then just kind of stopping and just making that assessment. So let's just go, let's start winding down the podcast here. Okay. We kind of shot that 30 minute mark over there. <laughs> Where are you at, Bart? Why aren't you controlling this thing, huh? Yeah. 
But like what I like to do is, you know, you know, again, like kind of roll it into 2024. Any final thoughts, you know, before we kind of wrap everything up here? I, I just think as a group and as an industry, we all need to ask why. Yeah. And we, we, we need to start using the tools that are available to us. Raising a price based on DMS is one thing. Raising a price based on effective labor rate, penetration hours per RO, the competition, the price of goods, blah, 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 blah. Totally different animal. How are you doing it? Yeah. Well, can I have a sidebar real quick, by the way, everybody? Before we get off, I have to get you to hear his introduction to the automotive industry. Because I do these handoff calls with him when we push him on in the program from start smart to stay smart. And he has this story he tells that I've, I've never heard or experienced. And every time he tells it, people relate to it. And I'm shocked by the least. So, well, Adam, it, go ahead. And it's the dead truth. And I will call her and tell her when we get this done to listen <laughs> to it. But um, I, I got in in the car business in 1999 because I love cars. Yeah. And I'd spent 16 or 17 years selling pharmaceuticals and HMOs, PPOs, IPOs, all that came in. And I, I had, I'm not a contract carrier. I didn't know what I want to do. So I walked into a car dealership and said, I need a job and I like cars. And they said, you will do an awesome job selling the cars. And I said, I left one thing out. I'm not interested in selling cars. And they said, how about fix cars? And I said, let's go. So I walked back in there and everything went beautifully. Two weeks later, I start and I'm trained by a red-headed service advisor, lady service advisor, that today I call my sister. And uh, her name was Debbie. Debbie. Just so she'll believe me when we do Sounds this. like a Debbie. Um, but I learned extremely fast. And everyone does when you're learning how to do something. You do something wrong, say something wrong, a customer says something wrong. And all of a sudden, there's a stapler midair. <laughs> No joke. Headed my way across the drive, and Debbie's over there throwing Shaking the stapler. Finger. Yeah, Shaking don't finger. do it. And man, you know, I uh, I learned very quickly under those circumstances. With a mild phobia of stapler. So, are forward. we condoning bullying as. Uh, I said it was just a good story. Well, no, this, was, this was in 1999. There we go, 1999. It was acceptable. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, any other final thoughts kind of as we start to wind things down? Yeah, I thought that he hit it right on the head with the why, right? And so if you find the whys, well, the next thing is the what's. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? And so that's back to my point that I asked you all earlier is when you go into the store for the first time and you said you observe and you find all these things and you find all these whys, and they prioritize it. what are you going to do? So that really needs to be what the focus has to be. Find out your whys and find your what's. What are we going to do? A lot of people realize that, hey, I got the why, I got the what, but when should I do it? And the key is you have to have a plan of, hey, I always had a 60-day rule. I walked into a store and I, I analyzed everything for 60 days. I went over everything. I got to know all the employees and I watched what they did on the service drive and I knew sometimes week one, that person's not going to make it. They're just not part of what I need to do to build a team. But I gave them the benefit of the doubt. But at 60 days, uh, things change. Because yep. you, it's, it's up to you because now they're looking for results. 
Yep, yep. And, and for crying out loud, I mean, hire the right people. Not just the warm body to fill the void, right? Not just the one because, oh, you're, thank God you're here. I've been looking for somebody for a day <laughs> or maybe a week, and you're just the warm body to fill that void. And I'm not going to give you training, but Susie over here is going to throw a staple at you. It was <laughs> Debbie. Get, was it it Debbie? was Debbie. Oh, my apology, redhead. <laughs> Sorry, Debbie. Sorry, Debbie. My Lord, I apologize. <laughs> but, but, you know, so, so absolutely. And so, so give them the opportunity. Give them the tools to succeed. If you don't give them the tools to succeed, then you failed as a leader and encourage them to fail mm. yep. please make a mistake yep. Yep. please make a mistake please try not to make the most expensive mistakes <laughs> <laughs> but please make a mistake because we're all going to learn a lot quicker if you do i and had a little okay. sign in my office that said hire slow and fire fast hey. yeah. and if you can live by that as a manager hiring people and again you said when you drop somebody into a store you didn't hire any of those people. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And there might be somebody that's in there day one is not the most impressive because they don't really, they think they should have been the person that got your job. Happens all the time. And you either turn them around in 60 days or that was my mark. And I had it on the calendar. I marked it all the time on the calendar. At 60 days, you made those tough choices. Sometimes you had to do it beforehand. Somebody just popped an attitude and you just couldn't live with it. And bring a good bench wherever you go. Because yep. if you can't bring one person in that you can rely on, they can change everybody else if you bring a good one in. So always have that person. If you're looking for a job and stuff, know who you're going to bring in. Yeah, even, even though you're always being faced with people and people are always coming in your office, that chair gets lonely fast. So you had said something there a moment ago about when we walk into the dealership, we're alone. It's a general, I think, rule and feeling of about a service manager, service director, fixed ops director. We feel very isolated and alone because we're the only ones that seem to know, the ones that seem to get it, the ones that seem they're trying to get it done, and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of folks out there that I've found while I'm coaching, and they've shared this with me, is they just, they, they feel like a little imposter syndrome, you know, faking it till I make it. I felt like that for a very long time because I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but I don't know for sure. And... At some point, somebody's going to find me out is kind of how I felt, you know. So um, they didn't. <laughs> Yet. 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 Shush. Shush. I still sound very confident. That's key. But, <laughs> but it's, it's important to know that you're not. And it was something that coming to Dynatron and, and, and working here now, if you really think about it, we all get along very, very well. We are all former service managers, service directors for the most part, right? A lot of us. Except We've all Bart. been there. Yeah, except Bart. And Bart's well, that variable guy sitting over here. <laughs> Snuck into the meeting. <laughs> but Move your chair further away. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> variable. Bart, Bart, anyway. to, Bart to reception, please. Bart to reception. <laughs> But we find that not only do we have a great camaraderie here, and, and there's a lot of knowledge, but we like to share it with each other. And it feels good for me to tell you something. You go, wow. And it's real good for me to have somebody that really supports me, trains me, te teaches me. And that's what happened you know, here. The thing is, if you're a service manager, service director, I bet you you could probably look out the front of your dealership right now and see another one. You know what they got there? Exactly. Another service manager. Mm. We talked today about building a support network. Yeah. Have a conversation. Hey, look at these numbers. Hey, look at this. Find a way to give yourself that support network. Empower you know, your people. Right? Whether it's consulting, coaching, if it's going to be, you know, a close friend, a colleague, somebody across the way, somebody that knows, talk. Let somebody come to your department and look and go, how long has that mop bucket been sitting there? 
it'd be surprised at what you can learn, not only about your team, your store, but yourself. So just uh, my thoughts. You know, <laughs> you talk, you talk, and that's fantastic. You talked about years experience and here, here at the, here at the summit, we actually had a, a, a we went around the room because, you know, we we're like, well, how much just in the client success division of experience in the automotive industry does this room have? Do you remember that number? It was over a thousand. Oh, it was well over a thousand. One thousand. Sixteen hundred 1600 years. Sixteen. We're definitely car guys. Look, three. I heard three hundred. I hear sixteen hundred. Okay. Well, I'm the GM. I remember numbers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Somewhere in the middle. But it was a lot of experience, man. It was a lot of experience, and you got to tap into that. You got to empower your people. Matt, spot on, man. And I remember James pointed out I was the oldest. So yeah. I was about to say, you just, yeah. what's the percentage you take yeah. up on that? Yeah, more than once. <laughs> he, he was on. Yeah, seven-time roll. 8% of the, the 1,300 right here. <laughs> 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 it don't look bad for 100. Hold on a We got Joe, Joe LaCour. What's that again? I just said he, uh, Cameron's 8% of the 1,300 years. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Jim, Jim. Any, any other final thoughts here, guys? It's the quietest I've ever heard them be. I listen. I mean, it didn't talk about that support network. I mean, we've got an ordained minister here, so That's we're good true. to go now. I mean, I feel like I'm in the presence. I'm and good. A, and a guy from New York who uses a lot of expletives in I wasn't front gonna of say that it. ordained minister. I wasn't going to say it. A guy they won't, a guy they won't let into church. Yeah, that was the one from California. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm married to the preacher's daughter. So yeah. yeah. I don't know if that excuses it, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Well, guys, this is going to wrap up the episode of the podcast. I want to thank every single one at the table. Bart, thank you very much. Jim, I want to thank you so much. Jim Martin. I have to make sure I say Jim Martin since we've got Jim, Jim, and Jim with us. Adam, guys, thank you very much. Matt Wilbur, appreciate you so much, brother. JR, thanks, brother, again. Absolutely. Jim LaMotta, just doing an awesome job. And Cam. Just, just stay above ground, brother. Okay. Just stay above ground, okay? Uh, 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 just, just, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I tell you, I don't get no respect around. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Doing a great job, Cameron, and thank you so much. But guys, this is going to be uh, closing it up for this po podcast at the Coaching Summit for 2024 for Dynatron. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for joining another episode of the Field Podcast. Always be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to be notified when new episodes are being dropped. And click the link below to review any of the show notes for additional information. Or you can email the Fuel Podcast with the link as we encourage any feedback or any questions or comments from our listeners. Until next time, I'm your host, Alex Keyes, with the Fuel Podcast for fixing underperformance and evolving leadership.